Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, as we mentioned last week, there have been some cast cuts of Days of Our Lives, and Martha Madison, who has played Belle on and off since 2004, has confirmed that she is one of them. In an interview with TVInsider.com, Martha said the writing was on the wall ever since they quashed the E.J. Bell romance. Uh, She was told it was budget dictated, but then was confused because weeks later, as she was saying her goodbyes to everyone, she randomly got another script. And in it, it indicated that Belle was staying in town, which no one had spoken to her about. But then she was told that they wanted her to hang around to do legal stuff um, and other things maybe, but an opportunity that she declined and she shot her last episode in April. Bottom line, Martha said it was time to leave and I, for one, feel she will be missed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I know I'm not alone in feeling really sad about this. You know, Belle is a legacy character and we know how valuable the presence of legacy characters are. And at this point, Martha is a vet, you know, one who's proven that when they write for Belle, she really delivers. Uh, I think the character is one that the show has gotten quite comfortable kind of cycling in and out. And I have to imagine that the time will come that they will cycle her in again. And I have to hope uh, that there is a scenario in which Martha would be open to returning down the line. I mean, me too. Martha said she's open to going to another show. So I hope the window doesn't close should days want her back. But I mean, she and Sean are such a strong representation of the next generation of Salem. And I just feel their presence should be felt on the canvas. Uh, Now, in happier days news, Suzanne Rogers is marking an incredible 50 years since she made her 1973 debut as Maggie on August 18th. The show will address the milestone in the episode that airs that day, which can be streamed on Peacock anytime. But we also have a feature with Suzanne in the new issue in which she looks back on her time on the show. Now, I've had the great pleasure of interviewing Suzanne many times and spending time with her at the studio in Burbank. And I can say without hesitation that she is just one of the most genuine, lovely women I have ever met. And a daytime winning actress to boot. So check out that interview in our new issue. And I would add that if you haven't already listened to Suzanne's appearance on our podcast back when she was celebrating a mere 46 years as Maggie, do yourself a favor and check that out. She's a magnificent storyteller and just an absolute 
daytime treasure. You know, you use the word incredible to describe this milestone and it genuinely is. I mean, there are only a handful of performers in this medium who have been on a show for that long and really no actor in any other medium who can say that they have had this kind of consistent employment over a 50 year span and certainly playing the, the same character for 50 years is something you are never going to find outside of the daytime world. So she deserves all of the congratulations and all of the love that I know that fans have for her. Well, our guest today is no stranger to Salem. He began his daytime career there in 1995. It's Austin Peck, who has played Daisy's Austin Reed on and off since then, with some other soap towns visited along the way. So let's get him on the line and catch up. Hi, Austin. Well, hello. How you doing? I am very well. How are you? I am doing well, and I am excited that we are talking to you today. Well, I am excited to be here after all these decades of knowing each other. I know. I know. I mean, now I know a lot about you, but the people listening might not know as much. So we're going to go back a little in time. Uh, you are a native of Honolulu, Hawaii, and lived there for the first several years of your life. So what was your childhood like there? And do you have specific memories of Hawaii? I have I have absolutely no memories of Hawaii. We left when I was two. So I wish I could say that if I were to say mahalo, it would actually be authentic. Instead, <laughs> I would just be doing some serious cultural appropriation. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, my father was in the was uh, in the Navy. So we were that's why we're in Honolulu. Um, and uh, we moved to uh, end up moving to was it I think California when I was four. Yeah. And then L.A. when I was, you know, San Francisco, Mill Valley, where basically I think everybody in Mill Valley was all high. <laughs> and it was all it was it was all you know um hippies and then we moved to uh, my mom was in the entertainment industry and moved to LA for her to pursue more of her acting career and yeah so we moved to hollywood when we moved to hollywood i thought oh we're going to be moving into like the paramount gates you know like you know like the stereotypical <laughs> pictures of the paramount gates i yeah. literally as an 8 year old thought we're going to live in there that's where I thought. And then when I got to Hollywood, to say that I was uh, shocked would be a gross understatement. Hollywood has always been seedy. and uh, But we lived, actually, we walked out, we looked up, and we could see the Hollywood sign up right, up, right outside. We look up, and there it was, running Canyon Drive. That's cool. Yeah. So when you, you know, think about yourself as a, a youngster living in Hollywood, like, can you pinpoint a time where you see like, oh, this is where the actor in me was, was born, you know, where that desire developed? That's a good question. I mean, I, I always, as a kid, I remember very vividly thinking, I imagined myself actually doing anything. And that was, I think that makes it hard because I could romanticize anything because of my imagination. My main, my main goal, my main thing was, you know, I was a latchkey kid, parents divorced. So when you, you come home and, you know, where's mom, she's out and about doing what she's got to do. And my sister is doing what she's got to do. So TV was my parent and very much a lot, very much so. So you grow up with that story, you know, seeing storytelling. And I remember I had this incredible canny ability to recognize actors from one thing to another thing that were not like well-known actors. I would see them and instantaneously I would know they were in, oh, they were in this show, that show. So I, my whole life lived around, uh, um, was it the, the programming of television? And, and then I played with my, my, my action figures. 
So I would do my storytelling with the action figures. And it was a very serious business, like, <laughs> very serious. I would set the stage. I would, I would spend half the day making the set and doing the story and the other half uh, letting the story unfold. And it was always very dramatic. And there was love stories, you know, cause you had the, you know, the, the, the few female characters. And then of course there was always like the favorite male character. He's like the, the star and they always had this romance. And, uh, and then there was someone that tried to come in and kill them and they would fight. And uh, yeah. So, so I would like, if I watched a movie like road warrior, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson, then all of a sudden all of my characters were, were taken and molded into those kind of movie characters. So I, I would take tissue paper and scotch tape and I would, I, I mean, uh, tissue paper and like masking and I would make these little armor. Would, it was just crazy. So in a way, it's a kind of a progression. My father was a military person. So I thought I was going to go in the military and, uh, and, and I realized well, as an actor, I could play someone in the military but um i've yet to do that With, without all that military right without all the military yeah right yeah. well tell us about austin peck and his high school era so you were on the football team as a linebacker but ultimately left school to pursue acting so how did that all go down yeah i i, I, was, I was big into athletics i wrestled and i didn't go there very far with that and then i uh i said this some regrets i have a handful of those people that live you know, have you seen that tattoo that says no regrets? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's such a great tattoo. I don't have any, but if I were to get a tattoo, I would like to be able to say that I had no regrets. Um, <laughs> but I do. I do. I think I have uh, some regrets. And one of them was not pursuing my athletic career a little bit more because I think I was, I think I just was, was good whatever I physically put my, put my mind to, my body to. But, uh, yeah, I was I was wrestling and then I was playing football and and um but then I got approached on the street by some agents and I had around that time I had people saying, Hey, you should try this out, you should get into you should get into modeling, you should get into acting. And it was like, okay, you know, it's Hollywood, it's LA. I was living in Santa Monica at the time. And my mom, you know, my stepfather was an agent and it was like and uh, but it didn't have anything to do with them. And these people came up to me and said, hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And they were legit. It's coast to coast. An agency is still around today. And uh, the first audition I went out on, I got. And that was a Kellogg's Pop-Tart commercial. Yeah. It's very, cr it's very cringy. But <laughs> when, when you are, when you're like, I did it when I was 16. But, oh, but, I was, but starting from when I was six, I really always thought that my career started at 16. But in reality, my sister went down a long list of things that I did, like shorts. I was in a movie my mom was in called Retribution. I did print ads um, that I had done since I was six years old. And I was very surprised. I was, I was the youngest person to ever do this one acting class called The Mastery. It was a super highly intensive uh, uh, acting class. And I was the youngest person to ever do it. Uh, and yeah, so I was, I, was pretty, I was pretty involved throughout my childhood. And then, so then fast forward to do the Pop-Tarts commercial and I'm thinking about going to the military, but then you get these residual checks. You're going, oh, well, yeah. I mean, this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, of course it doesn't really work like that. I mean, maybe for some, but it didn't work for me. I, yeah, so I did, I kind of gave up on my, I, I, I just kind of gave up on my athletic career. Uh, and, and, and in some ways, I think there was a mistake in that. Yeah. 
So it seems like when you were starting out your acting career, you were simultaneously finding some good footing as a model because you have some pretty neat uh things on your resume on the modeling front, like things that sound very glamorous to, to me, like modeling for Valentino in Europe. Can we get some highs and lows of your life as a model? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know what I think when I, when I first started in the industry and like from the pop art commercial work at coast to coast, they, like, again, it was, it was a fantastic agency and they, I was getting the feedback I was getting was, was it was extremely positive and i knew for me that i it was a six is like i knew six months to a year that i was going to book something that was going to be significant and my career would have really taken off and then it would just been gone that would have i that would have been the worst thing for me ever right i think that would have that would have deeply harmed me and i don't even know if i would be here considering where I was at as a person and the people that were in my life. And so I had this guy that befriended me who was not a good character uh, that said, hey, I'll be your manager. And we went to more of a modeling agency called Nina Blanchard, which was very big at the time. And then I was like, all right. I was like, I don't care. It's just fine. And then I went to Europe when I graduated high school. And that's when my modeling so it took me away from home because i wasn't sold on i was on to me it was like okay modeling acting i was like like just so dumb <laughs> i didn't know i mean so really, i didn't know exactly what was up and what was you know down and i found myself at 18 in paris trying to make it you know in that world and it's very different because Every guy is beautiful and 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 some far more than others. And you know, where you're you know, like I'm I'm straight, but when you're like some guy walks in, you're like, dude, that guy is really attractive. You know what I mean? like, holy, holy cannolis, you know, that guy's really good looking. Um and uh, it, it, it's very humbling. So working in the industry and working in Paris, in Europe, the fashion industry is, a, in the modeling industry, is actually very, it's a respected profession, believe it or not. And whereas in LA, I mean, it, I mean, as in, in the States, it's, I mean, respected? No, you know, it's more of like a joke, but it's not a joke there. And so it's, a, it's you know, just having to navigate that world where it's not there, you're dealing with what, what kind of, what, what is your talent? And I had a very difficult time adjusting to my personality, to the framework of the, of the fashion profession, you know, modeling profession, uh, all the stereotypes of like, I, of Zoolander to me is an hysterical movie. And it literally has probably about one to five ounces of truth to it that they've exaggerated on a tremendous scale but uh, um, it, it was very humbling, very humbling uh, trying to make it in that industry because like, I'll tell you a story. So I was, so I, I would go to these castings where you would meet photographers or stylists or art directors for, could be Macy's or Bloomingdale's or uh, Calvin Klein or whatever, right? And I would walk in, show them my book 
and maybe they're in a high-rise apartment. I mean, uh, like a apartment or uh, you know office. Like, oh wow, this is really beautiful view. Oh, I did that with Aldo Fly. That was in Rome. You know. Oh, and I did this. Oh, and it's just you know Bruce Weber. We were in Montana, and, and I'm like you know in and that's for British Vogue, and, and also I'm talking, and then okay, hey, great, have a good day. You know, you I mean? like just really came like, hey, and. And, and I wouldn't get the responses that I thought were, should be appropriate. But I, so all, it took years for me to figure this out. So, and it was overnight where I would, this kind of goes to show you what the industry is like. And there's a lot of similarity to acting, but acting is much more based in personality. So I, so I, so I would go in and I would hand them my book, stand off like a feet away, be like, hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And I wouldn't say anything. I would just stand there. They'd flip through the book. I'd be quiet, just like not even looking at them. They'd be done. Grab my book. Say thank you. Have a nice day. And like, we love him. <laughs> Put him on the veil. Oh, it's great! It's amazing. I mean, I so I mean, it's, oh, I just love him. It's great. And I, and it was it was the. I literally had the idea. As soon as I had idea, the next casting, I put it into prop and put it into effect, and literally had a completely different response. And it was, I was just like, oh, this is so dumb. <laughs> like, I'm not different, you know. And what I would do is because you, I I love to draw, I would show up on a set. And I would just doodle. I would draw. So I became the guy that drew all the time. And and that kept me from being too gregarious and too, too out there with my personality. Because my energy level, as high as it is now, was, I mean, Stephanie, yo, you guys, I mean, come on. When you... <laughs> Just like, I'm like, come on, I'm a total dork. <laughs> I mean, it's just, come on. I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and in the fashion industry, that's so not cool. And so I would, people would come to me and I would, they would be interested in what I was doing because I was focused on something with my headphones on. And then I would show them my drawings and then I could meet people and more of like my world without giving too much of myself up. And it made, it was my, comp, it was like my, it was my safe space, right? You know, it was my like, this is, you're, you're, you know, I'm not safe out here because I know how you are. I'm safe. This is where I'm safe. And then I'll take care of you while you're, if you're here, I'll take care of you. I'll be cool. You know, like, I'll be cool with you. Like, you know, doing all the PAs and, and for the, the personal appearances that you get on soaps, I always really enjoyed it because, uh, people gave me tremendous power to kind of make or break their moment. And that moment could have been short or long, you know? And I, I, I thought that was a really um, amazing thing to always take care of those people in the moment. And that's what I was doing, you know, with the art and it made a big difference. Mm-hmm. I've been talking a long time. <laughs> well, I will say this regarding your art. I have had the privilege of seeing it. You are so unbelievably talented. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, that... I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I'm stop a, it. Okay. I'll say I'm it. A... You don't have to say anything. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm a doodler. Okay. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. Okay. Now, your life changed in a big way. I think it's safe to say in 1995 when you landed the role of Austin Reed on Days of Our Lives. So tell us your day's casting story. Oh, yeah, that was great. So I I think it was six months beforehand, I screen tested for all my children with Kelly Ripa. 
And I think it was for Mark's part. I think so. I'm not sure. The only thing I remember about that audition, I remember there was a couch and I was standing behind it. So I remember, I think, yeah. I remember how tiny Kelly was, just teeny. I remember it being over and what the hell just happened? And her saying, well, her complimenting on my hair, number one, I think in the beginning or, and then afterwards her looking up at me and going, good job, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I remember. But Judy Bly Wilson, who is just one of the sweetest people, she called me in. I didn't get it, obviously. She called me in. She did not have to do this. And because I didn't have a theatrical agent, I just had a um, you know, print and commercial. And I wanted to get back into it and you know, live in New York City. And uh, there's my dogs. And I wanted to give, so she called me in and said, hey, you should really pursue this. It was very kind of her. She didn't have to do that, right. you know? And and then I think six months later, I got the audition for, I was like, yeah, Austin Reed. I'm like, if I don't get this part, like, are you serious? Is there, <laughs> who, how many people, I didn't meet another Austin until I was like 18 years old. Uh, it was a far more common name now, but not, not, not back then. I never met an Austin. I have a funny story about the naming of Austin Reed too. So yeah, so uh, I went, I did it. And I... I, I watched General Hospital one summer with the whole Luke and Laura storyline. So I had some familiarity with that. So I was like, okay, I think this is going to be an important moment to kind of like hit this. And so I did. And then I got the call back. And then I got screen test. And uh, uh, I flew out to L.A. And I remember I flew to L.A., right? And I was, I, I, you have to understand, as a model, you're on the plane all the time, right? On the, all the time. You are flying everywhere all the time. So being on a plane was not a big deal, except I was so in like completely different world that I forgot my luggage. <laughs> I, like, I like literally left, like left my apartment in downtown and in like in the East Village and got to LA to realize, wait a second, I don't have any clothes. Like I don't have, I don't, I didn't bring anything with me. What the fuck? Like, how do I not have my, I, and so that goes to show where my head was. And uh, which is great. And then I, I went to, I took this as an omen. I went to the mall in Burbank to get, I think something like underwear or something. <laughs> and, and I come out and I saw Ron Moss. Because how do you not recognize Ron Moss? Ron Moss is one of those guys like, Man, that's a really good looking guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he doesn't age, right? That's a really good looking guy. And I remember like seeing him and him looking and seeing me, right? And I'm like, that's a sign. I'm like, that's a sign. That's a sign. So, and uh, and then also during that trip, my 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 uh, stepfather, my ex stepfather, you know, LA. My mom's been married four times. We went to a luncheon of all these Hollywood suit guys, and of course, I'm just dressed in like like a jeans button up and jeans and boots. And the only one who dressed similar to me was Mel Gibson, and he was across the room. And he was there for Braveheart. Wow. And I was, it, that, there's another, there's another regret do over that. I didn't walk over to him and just say, like, you're Mad Max. Like you're Mel Gibson. Like you're a lethal weapon. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I know he saw me. He'd probably think, oh, here's the next hot thing coming up. Right. 
And, uh, but you know, it goes to show you how your ego can always get in the way. Um, I didn't introduce myself. I regret that. So we're on the set for days and I meet Christy Clark. She's wearing overalls, you know, Christy Clark with dresses when she's not Carrie, completely different person. And she's wearing overall overalls and she's got her glasses on and she's just, you know, laid back Christy self. And I'm like, this girl's cute. And I'm like, this girl's really cute. And uh, personable, you know, just laid back. And the line just, Herb Stein, my favorite director on Days, lined us up and gave us a speech. The only thing I remember very clearly, he said, auditions have been won and lost on a kiss. I went, done. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> done. I was like, I don't need to think of anything else but that, right? I was like, that, right? I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put everything in that. And, and then I sat down. I remember we, the scene was over, the kiss, whatever. And uh, Christy slipped me the tongue. And uh, yeah, she, that was her. And you know what? She, she, didn't, she didn't admit it. She liked, she, she enjoyed every moment of all those guys. <laughs> and she would tell you she would tell you so i'm not throwing her under the bus or anything um and we sat down on the couch where she asked questions but immediately we just shared this like just laugh we just started laughing right we started laughing uh and there was a connection there uh i didn't really know how much i knew it was like i want to make i i just i was thinking i want her to want me to be this guy and I didn't know how significant that actually is. Um, but that was my focus. Well, you uh, stepped into the like hottest triangle on soaps at that time, essentially, which was the Austin, Carrie, Sammy uh, triangle, with which Lucas, of course, Brian Matillo's Lucas was also heavily in the mix of. The quadrangle. The quadrangle. So what stands out to you when you think about that you know, era of time where you were working so closely with Christy, with Brian and of course with Allison Sweeney as Sammy. Survival. <laughs> Survival. I mean, I as an actor at that time, I didn't have tech. All, all I had were instincts. I didn't have technique. I think there's other people that went to bat for me very much, like Christy and Charles Riley, who was PR, uh, head of PR at that moment for the daytime and mm -hmm. um, for NBC. Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, I was surviving. I was surviving. I re, I remember when I was introduced and I was in the towel. I was I was shirtless a lot, and it was Phil Sogard. And I had to come out of the bathroom, and we were in Hollywood looking for Sammy in in Hollywood, right? Looking for Sammy, and we were in a hotel, a seedy hotel room. And I cut, and Carrie's having a nightmare. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe I remember this. Carrie's having a nightmare, and I so I'm in the shower, and I come out, and it's like. You know, Austin Peck will now be, I mean, Austin Reed will now be Austin Peck. And I come out and he's like, okay, so when you come out, so the bed is literally right here. There's a wall right here. So you come out and you're like, where's Carrie? Right? I'm like, she's right there. Right? <laughs> she's right there. Yeah, but what we need is, you know, is like, instead of just giving me, trying to justify something that this was not justifiable. Just like, listen, we need a stop moment because we're going to introduce you there. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But instead, trying to justify something is, I mean, why would I be looking? At, there's a wall right here. She's right there. Right? It's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So 
not having the ability to like emotionally navigate that nonsense because you have to be political. You have to be, you have to fight your battles, know what are worthy and what are just not. And that's something that obviously Christy Clark knew in spades and I did not at all. So it was very, it was very, very hard and extremely challenging to, to come in and have to fill in the uh, shoes of the character after someone as popular as Patrick Muldoon. And I just kept hearing about how popular Patrick Muldoon was <laughs> and how hot Patrick Muldoon was. And it was like, oh, shut up, man. It was like, you know, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, I was like, it was an uphill battle. Right, but in in retrospect, you were the one that played out, you know, the the meat of that triangle and the soap opera digest covers that you did, the many of them yeah. prove it. You know, you really yeah, got in the yeah. thick of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, Lauren Coslow joined Days as Austin's mother, Kate, in 1996, and she has described you as her first friend in the cast, as someone who was so sweet and supportive from day one. So what comes to mind for you when you think about working with Lauren? Oh, well, I mean... I mean, Lauren, just, Lauren Coslow is just one of my, we hit it off immediately. I think there was, there's obviously a necessity to that because she's playing my mother. But I think just on a personal level, we just, we just hit it off. And, um, and uh, it just enjoyed, uh, just enjoyed acting together and enjoyed the part. And of course I always was like, I'm your favorite son. All right. This, you know, <laughs> it's just like hands down, I'm your favorite son. Uh, and I did, yeah, we, we, we just really, we had a lot, we, we played a lot of, we had a lot of fun. We just had a lot of fun with the scenes. How can we make this a little more interesting and playful and very playful. Our characters were very, very, very playful with each other. And I think that, I think it came across, I think it came across. Yeah, Lauren's Lauren to me. She's she's one of my favorite people on earth. She's fantastic. She she was you know she came in like I think months after I came on, so it wasn't like it was definitely within the year, like six months or something like that, maybe less. Uh, well, something I want to know about is that in 1997, you and Christy took home the Soap Opera Digest Award for Hottest Romance, but you actually co-hosted the ceremony uh, with Lisa Gibbons and Shamar Moore and Ingo Rademacher. I don't know that we've ever had a Soap Opera Digest Award co-host on the podcast before. We have not. What, if anything, do you remember about that night? Embarrassment. <laughs> deep, deep embarrassment. Um, yeah. So far, this is the third regret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those not, counting not, at home. Hold on. The third regret is not hosting or winning, but it's two things. Um like I have a very particular sense of humor that my wife is constantly telling me that not everybody gets your sense of humor. And, but I just think it's funny, right? So I just think something's funny. I just go for it. And sometimes you land flat. And so when I came out to, with Lisa Gibbons, I had this stick that I was going to do, which was walk out. And I, I committed to it, but nobody got it at all. So I walk out all like super suave, right? Like, like just, you know, like super suave. And then I stumble 
You know what I mean? Because it was a little ramp, you know, it was tight. And I was like, I stumbled and then I slid down. And I didn't know that my white tie, the black suit was popping, that popped out of my jacket, was there the whole time that was buttoned. So nobody laughed and nobody got it. (laughs) That is is embarrassing as hell because everyone thought probably that I was being cool and stumbled and was trying to recover. So the joke was on me, even though it was like, I did that on purpose, right? I was like, it was on purpose. It wasn't, it was meant to, it was really making fun of myself. Although I truly did make fun of myself (laughs) where everybody wasn't laughing, but felt like embarrassed, which is the worst. That's like the worst thing. So uh, just to get that straight, if, if there is anybody out there that remembers that, which I, I don't think anybody does. uh, That's what happened. (laughs) That's what, but I remember that. I remember that. And I remember just, oh, that was just bad. Well, you still went home a winner. Um, yeah. There you go. And the second thing during that night is that, I, I mean, because soap opera digest, days won every single category. <laughs> it's just like, it was just a given. It was just, I think I stood up before they even announced it. <laughs> it was like, and for the best romance, it was like, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's really arrogant, but I was like, days wins every category. They were, they had a lot of passionate so no, uh, purchasers. No feigning, no feigning of humility at all. It was straight up, <laughs> we're winning, period, done, hottest romance. There you go. Well, you weren't wrong. Yes. It like, but it made me look like an asshole, right? <laughs> an arrogant asshole. <laughs> I'm sure no one noticed but you. Um, oh, I'm sure they did. It was like mental note. He's an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but you did have an amazing run that first part of Salem. Um, again, as I said, multiple soap opera digest covers, like front burner storylines. But in 2002, you left the show. It was not your decision. So looking back, how did you feel about that? Uh, that's a that's a great question. That really is. Um, I you know, I'm a, I'm a slow learner, right? I really am. When I but when I do get something, like I really get it. Like I get it in a cellular level. Once I get something, and I can and I and I can understand it from every angle. One of them I really didn't understand is how political, absolutely political, w- working on a a show is it's there's so much politics if i were to go back and how i would have maneuvered things or at least paid attention to certain things that were very very important you know what i would have done i would have um i i would have uh entertained uh and really cultivated the relationship of austin and sammy far more than austin and carrie and then you'd always would have that that thing. But I was so kind of like, no, it's Austin and Carrie. That makes sense. It's Austin and Carrie. That makes sense. Of course, it does make sense. But I would have cultivated the Austin Sammy thing far more. I would have entertained far more. I think with the hard thing is because when I came on, Allie was so young. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She was so young. 
I mean, what, Ali was, you know, Ali is just a, a, one of the savviest people you'll ever meet. Uh, she wasn't just 16. She was a very young 16. You know, you can meet old 16s and young 16s. She was a very young 16. And, and that's a lot of good because there was, the, like, she was very childlike, very chi- child. You know, there was an aspect, and here I am, a man in my mid 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 twenties. You know, um, so, and so I would have allowed, I would have, I would have played with that more. I would have cultivated that more. I would have entertained that a lot more. And I think that's what ended up becoming a downfall, along with other things that uh, some some information that I'm aware of, certain people that kind of um, little little stabbing the back. So um, that uh, I, I would have been a little bit more aware of the political environment that wouldn't have led me to, I think that would not have led me to be in off the show in 2002. I was not devastated at all. I was surprised. I, I actually would have been more accepting if they replaced me with another actor. I was surprised that I was surprised that the replacement, to get rid of Austin, it's like, that's a pretty central character. And because um, it was a pain in the ass. I mean, one time I threatened the entire crew to a fight. I mean, come on. So, I mean, I was a pain in the ass. And uh, um, I, I think over years I became less of a pain in the ass. But uh, I understood that. Mm-hmm. Like I did. I understood that. Uh, but it was tough. I, 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 I looked at it like, in a sense, like Providence that it was meant to be. And because I wanted to do other things. I wanted to to do movies. I want to, you know, what what actor does want to become a movie star? Right. And to explore other parts. Playing Austin Reed, to be honest, was the hardest character I've, is the hardest character I've ever played. By far. By far the most difficult character I've ever played. The only other character I played that was equally hard because I hated the set was Mystery Woman 3 on Hallmark. Freaking hated that. <laughs> I hated everybody on that set. And I, they felt the same way about me. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's probably why I've never worked for Hallmark since then, to be honest. It was just like, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, you know, I went and I did, I did a romantic comedy. I started in that and I did a lot of theater, a lot of theater, did a lot of guest stars. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I, I thought it's just the time, you know, I wasn't, I didn't sweat it. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't sweat it. I didn't sweat it at all. Great. Well, what, what was it like to get the call to return to Days? Well, that was, that was, that was, I, we, I maneuvered that with a couple of people <laughs> because I was, I, you know, here I got a kid, married, I got a kid and I got to work. I was like, well, why not call, why not get back on dates? So we just, with a couple of people, we just, Lauren was one of them. We just, uh, I played the game. I just played the game and planted some, we planted some seeds. It was, it was one between me, my manager Michael Bruno, and Lauren Coslo, we we absolutely finagled that, mm-hmm. and it was a great opportunity because I came on the show and I felt like I had that opportunity of re- undoing a lot of what I felt was petulant, unprofessional behavior, mm-hmm. and so I was I was just dead set on coming to work, you know, a thousand percent. And, committing and doing and and i i think that in many ways i did do that i did make that happen you know and then uh, you know 
what happened with that? Right. Well, <laughs> that lasted a year, which saw Austin and Carrie reunite and marry and go off into the sunset of Switzerland. <laughs> but yeah. not long after the show decided to write out the characters, you landed on As the World Turns to play Brad Snyder. So how did that come about? Well, that was another thing. So what I did was before I got on before I got on days, I decided to go to New York and meet all the uh, just everybody in New York. Like when I, when I met Frank Valentini, he was doing One Life. Uh, I thought he was one of the actors. So he came in. I thought he was just an actor walking by the his the office. So when he came in, I was like, hey, and I was like, this guy's got to be an actor on the show. <laughs> it's like way too good looking, right? I mean. You know, he's, 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 I, you know he's, he's an actor, right? And it was Frank. So we hit it off really well. And then I met uh, Mary Clay Bolin for As Will Turn. So I didn't meet Chris uh, Gowman, who I love, by the way. I love Chris. Um, and Mary Clay, we, we hit it off. We just had a great conversation. And I just told him, hey, I'm in New York City. And I just, I figure I'm, while I'm here, I just want to meet everybody. And uh, so I did. And, and then after days call it was immediately we got on the horn and found out what was going on in new york city and it was the character of brad snyder so i came out and i auditioned i i screen tested with terry and you know i knew i knew the gig you know and i remember christy clark telling me oh they had a mutual friend named jamie dudney who i've never met <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, jamie's my friend <laughs> so i remember I, re I was like i brought her name up just to give that little I was playing the game. You know, he's got, it's a game. So, and I remember exactly where I met Terry and, you know, and uh, she was very sweet doing that audition. And I, I, I remember the, the part of Brad, I was like, oh, there's a trap in this character. I was like, this guy's funny. So this, this, I was like, this guy's funny. I love the scene that they gave us because he's kind of, he's being a total dick, right? <laughs> but he's, he's not he's being funny like he's he's kind of like i'm joking with you are you gonna get it are you gonna take me serious or are you gonna play with me are you gonna play with me i'm flirting with you i'm playing with you i'm playing with you you know playing with you like god you know don't be so serious kind of thing and so i i knew that there were some traps there that that a lot of people were going to fall into and i was the only one that didn't according to terry and I said, like, well, I got to get, I'll get her. on." And I knew enough now, get her to choose me. So that's what I focused on. I was getting her to choose me. And as that's chemistry, because if you're going to have, you have to have chemistry. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. So I, and then, yeah. I think also coming from a, coming from a show like Days of Our Lives has a high TVQ. Right? It's just a high profile show. The New York show, like as well turns at the time, didn't, it didn't have the production value, the TVQ that didn't have that. It'd been on for a long time. It just it wasn't at, just didn't have that PR thing that Days does. So I was coming from a lot of what Days gave me just by being on the show. So and knowing full well with that, that gave me a leg up over everybody. You, you know? talked about how each show has its own specific vibe. What was the vibe backstage at As the World Turns versus Days? Oh, night. Oh, night. I mean, I got to tell you, as an actor, I two parts. I love playing Brad Snyder. Like Brad Snyder was so, Brad Snyder is me, right? It's just, that's me, right? But not, but me. And Rick Powers on One Life to Live. <laughs> I freaking love playing that character. That was the best character. But um, 
the my I, my mom and I bonded uh, bonded a lot over Brad Snyder because she would watch and she would see I would get to do all these fun things and playful be playful. I got to use a lot of my personality and the parts. They started writing for that. But behind the scenes, I think there's a big difference because it's outside Hollywood. So Hollywood itself breeds a kind of mentality. It breeds a kind of neuroses uh, that that is exacerbates the already neurotic nature of actors because you have the, you know, everybody. It's well, Hollywood really is just a big conglomerate high school. That's what it is. It's a big high school. And and so there's that aspect. Whereas in working on As the World Turns, there was much more of a community and cohesiveness. There wasn't this separation between like you have actors, you have you have hair and makeup, actors, directors, producers. Where in on on days it's sectarian, without a doubt, it was incredibly sectarian. And on As the World Turns, it was very cohesive, where people were kind of just. They did the work and a lot of them came from theater. So the theater aspect and that acting, they all, they, they understood the power of comedy, the power of playing things against the grain. Whereas in many ways, days was much more like hit, hit the line. It's, this is the drama. We're being dramatic here. Drama, man. And whereas, and you know, you can play the opposite, and there was that we just understood. A lot of that had to do with New York theater, and the, we were way out in the middle of Nowhereville, Midwood, Brooklyn. Like you just—that's it. There's nowhere to go. You're out in Brooklyn. Where are you going? Like you're not going anywhere. You're here. And I think that those combination of things really had a lot to do with it. Your main love interest on the show, obviously, was the lovely Terry Khan, a.k.a. Mrs. Austin Peck in real life. What are your favorite memories of working with her on that show? Oh, every moment. I I love working. I love working with Terry. I mean, working with her was just the funniest thing I've ever done. Literally, I would come to work. And I would say to her, good morning, sunshine. And it was just like, it was because every time I saw her, it was like the sunshine. And we would, uh, we just, she was in this low point of playing Katie. She had been on for a while. I think it was like nine years or something like that, 10 years. And so she was just kind of like, you know, and then I came in and I was so excited about playing Brad. Because I was like, oh, look what I get to say tomorrow. Look what I get to do. I was like so excited. So we, so that energy, I think, is something that was refreshing to her. And so we we just, we did a lot of, we just played. We played. And then working with uh, um, Trent and, and Eva and, I mean, they were all so amazing. Uh, it's just so amazing. And all the actors, but we would, Terry and I would, you know, run our lines, but we would go, get coffee. <laughs> and there was one point where, it was one point that we just literally, we started dressing the same. <laughs> and we, I would come, and I just, and we just follow, we follow each other around, like, you know, like puppies, you know, like one day I would be the puppy, another day she would be the puppy. And uh, it really enjoyed it. Because we, she understands comedy. And so do I. So we we put that in as much as possible. And that just, it was, oh, it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was fun, fun. 
Well, sadly, Brad had a very tragic demise in 2009, and the show went off the air the following year. Um, and in time, both you and Terry ended up on One Life to Live. She as Aubrey, you as adult filmmaker Rick. <laughs> so how did you guys moving to Landview come about? Well, Terry, uh, yeah, One Life to Live, that came pretty quickly after the end of As World Turns, because I was off first. Uh, it was really hard letting go of Brad. Oh, that was very hard for me, but it, it was it was softened by Rick Powers. I get a call from my agent and say, yeah, so uh, Terry's already on playing Aubrey, which was great. <laughs> you know, very similar, but very different characters. And she goes, yeah, but it's a porn producer. And I'm like, oh, I could have fun with that. <laughs> I, could, I could have fun with that. Because... Because most most actors will, you know, like again, like knowing the medium and knowing most actors, they'll just look at that and the first thing they'll think about is slimy and sleazy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's that's like a dead end. You can't do anything with that. And there's nothing redemptive. I was like, I know that one thing about soaps is if you have a if you're on and you're and you you you're good and they see it and they it's fun and they like working with you, they'll like find a way to redeem you. So it's like, okay, that's what I want to do. And they're like, well, it's only like maybe six episodes. I said, I'm going to turn it into more. And so it turned into 10 months of work. And it was like not too, like only a few months afterwards, or I don't know how much it went off the air. Uh, I think they would have redeemed the character. And I think my whole goal was to put Rick and Aubrey together <laughs> and make them a team. That was that was the goal. And I, I you know, that might have not just been mine either. And uh so when i when i got the character i i said oh this guy's funny this guy is funny and i thought he's an opportunist he's not a porn producer he's an opportunist and he just happens to be doing this now until something else comes along and lo and behold became a music producer uh, you know a tale as old as time uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that year, 2011, was also a big year for you and Terry. Personally, you tied the knot. You recently celebrated 12, your 12th anniversary. Uh, and in addition to your sons, Aiden and Roman, and your stepdaughter, Julia, you and Terry have two daughters, Karen Morgan. So give us, give us a snapshot of how the family's doing. Well, we live, in, we live outside uh, Philadelphia, and uh, we this beautiful property. We moved here in October, uh, and... My in-laws moved. We 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 sold. They sold because they lived in Albuquerque, and so they moved here. And now we there's basically two houses, small house and a bigger house, kind of connected together. And uh, yeah, so it's it's going very very well. It's going very well. We're you know the um, we were you know like schooling for the kids was we did the homeschooling thing for a little bit, and I was doing a lot of that. I'm not very good at it. Uh, that's, that is, may hats off to all you homeschool moms and, or dads, you know, uh, it's, that's tough. Uh, so yeah, we were doing, we were doing a, uh, what is it? A homeschool co-op. We have all these families that go and meet like, twice a week. So I started teaching boxing and, and, and drama and we would do these little plays and I would be the most, I, there would be other dads there, but mainly I was like the dad there. And uh, some of these kids, they need to be wrangled in and they're not used to it. So here I am as the thespian 
trying to teach them, like, hey, we're going to be doing Shakespeare here. But what we did, what was great, one of the one of the moms, she's very, very artistic, Dorian Kozak. She re- rewrote Julius Caesar to the backdrop of Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. So uh, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. We're going to, I mean, it's going to be so much fun. And here I am trying to get these homeschool kids to focus on doing Shakespeare. Why I'm running a scene here and in the same room, there's like paper airplanes. Like, okay, so I'm like, get out. Like, okay, oh gosh, okay. So I'm being nice. I'm being very nice and starting off being nice. And I'm like, guys, come on. I know this is hard. Go over there. And I would bring them in for like a minute. And I would get back to doing it. Because of course they have nothing to do, but they can't be they can't be running around the hall, they can't be running around everywhere. So finally I was getting so frustrated as like the fourth time, like stop, stop, stop. And all the other moms are kind of like, they're doing their things, and some of them are in the hallway and they're just they're chatting and hanging out. Cause they're like, oh, he's doing his thing. And a paper airplane lands right in front of me. And I have these big boots on. <laughs> and I was like, stomp on the I mean, just like lost it. Next thing, the moms are like rushing in, like, he's killing our kids. (laughs) (laughs) He's killing our kids. But they all understood. They were kind of like, we like having Austin there. He (laughs) He adds a scary element. You bring the, your actor temperament to yeah, yeah. You know, there you go. to the to the party. Yeah, but but I'll tell you what, it turned out to be a really good performance of Julius Caesar, man. I'm telling you. Really <laughs> hey, you're right. We had lightsaber, we had lightsaber fights and the whole thing. It was awesome. But they loved it. Um, but you've also gotten the chance to appear again on the small screen um, in 2017. You popped into Days to visit as Austin in 2019. You were featured in the series um, on the Days app, which is Chad and Abby in Paris. And in 2020, really that. Yeah. that was great. I love that. Um, now in 2021, you reprised Austin again, this time on the streaming spinoff Days of Our Lives Beyond Salem. So, you know, what has it meant to you that the show has written Austin back in you know every so often well it's i mean it's been amazing to be able to go back and prize the role that you i mean you're you're mid-20s i mean so those are those are especially i guess in modern times is very formative years uh and to you know go back and see some of the same people and play the same character and to see like well how have i grown what more can i bring to this character that uh, I did years ago. I mean, I think in I think soaps. There's some other mediums nowadays, but where you're really experiencing the character, you grow as the character grows. So it's it's really there's two simultaneous things happening at the same time. Uh, but it, yeah, it's always been it's always been fun. Always been a challenge, deep challenge to bring. I I I. I would, I mean, I, it's again, acting is something I love to do on in any capacity, in any capacity. It's just fun. That's why I do it. Would you go back again? Well, yeah, if they call me, Mm -hmm. would I go back again? I mean, sure. I mean, if I, unless I have something else going on. Okay. You know? Well, when you look back on, you know, the totality of your acting career and it's, 
your personal life as well, you know, both very enmeshed in your experiences in daytime. Can you put into words how you feel like your life changed when you became a member of the SOAP community in 1995? Well, I never intended to do, I, I, I think it's like when I meet young actors, my son, Roman, who's 18, he wants to, he's an, he's an actor. He's done three shorts. You know, he's an actor. He's doing it. Um, I have a lot of advice to give him that he's not very interested in. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's common, I guess. I would like to be a little bit more of a guidance, gui- a guiding force for him. Um, but I think it's a common thing when you're young, you... It, you approach acting from a concept of wanting to be what you see and it, it inspires you, which is obviously these bigger than life characters. And then life has a way of happening. Either one, that may happen. The percentages of people that that happens with is insignificant to the amount of people that try. I mean, if you are an actor and you could pay your bills, you're like in the top 1% of 1% out of like thousands and thousands of people. So in that way, you're a success. Being on daytime is kind of like being like you're in the family, you know, you're working, you're to go from being a non-working actor to being a working actor and on a soap or anything. It's kind of like you go, you get adopted, like you're in the family, except being on a soap, you're kind of like redheaded stepchild famous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like you know you're always delegated to the kitty table during thanksgiving um it, it never seems to get the kind of respect artistically that i think it in many ways it deserves oh yeah yeah so this is really hard it's really hard working actors but you know it's uh there's a lot more to it like when james franco honestly came on gh hey man james will tell you you weren't that special right you weren't, you know? I mean, I think he's a phenomenal actor. That is without a doubt. But when he was on GH, he was average. And that's a fact. And you could take that and you can cash it in the bank. And I'd say that to his face. And he probably wouldn't care. Uh, but that goes to show you that it's a very tough medium. Incredibly tough medium. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's shot on video time frame by which we're given i mean one day you guys i did five episodes and part of two episodes five episodes in one day are you out of your mind that's insane no one would ever understand unless they actually did it and i think that that's why there's such a sad negative you know sort of perception of what daytime actors do and in fact they are the hardest working actors for the volume and what you actually produce is unbelievable it's yeah it's it's i mean it's like you're impro you're you're like it's cold reading, you know? I mean, it's like, you're not. And, and there's some actors that make it look so easy. But in a way, you get used to it. You know, you, you know I think in some ways, I've made it look easy. Uh, but there, there is, you know, having to have certain levels of emotional depth and having to, you know, all the technical stuff. And it was, there was so much more. When I got on days, you know, I just wanted to do my three years, save my money and go become a big, big movie star. Uh, and then, you know, but that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, that didn't happen. And that's fine. I, when I look back at it, I don't regret anything. It was, it's, it's offered me and giving me far more than 
then 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 I can possibly met. Hey, I met my wife. I have two children that would never even be here. Uh, I have amazing in-laws. I wouldn't know. I mean, you know, it's you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. That's why I would say with young people, don't you know, don't be a snob. <laughs> be a snob. Snobby is like this is more unattractive than snobbery. It's difference between being honest about something like how you feel about a certain person or something or how you feel about your work that you feel like is true. That's just being, that's, that's being honest. It's being truthful. That's humble because you're just being truthful about what you believe to be. So it may not be so, but that's what you believe. But, you know, being humble is humility is truth, being truthful. And that means, you know, if someone goes, Hey, I don't want to do this because I want to do that. Like, okay. Are you willing to pay the price? Because you're not willing, well, I don't want to, I don't want to do so because, you know, I'd be a big film star. I've heard that. You have any idea how many times I've heard that? And then, like, I see that person a year later and they're taking my order. And I'm like, how's it working out for you? And they're like, yeah, man, how, how's the soap going? How's the soap going? Is it good? I'm like, yeah, if you, maybe if you had auditioned for it back then, instead of being just an a-hole, you would be having someone else take your order, you know? Um, but I'm an artist. Shut up. You kidding me? You have any idea how much art it takes to produce to, to be an actor on a soap where you sometimes do five episodes in one day? Give me no. a break. They Shut don't. Up. I mean, they the don't. machine that it takes to, to, to produce this day in and day out, week in, month out, year in, year, it's like it's hardcore. Mm-hmm. And you can translate this into anything except give me a give me a give me a beautiful camera, give me great cinematography, and you see the and see the performance and see how it changes because it's not shot on video in a set with the harsh lighting. Absolutely. And again, that's sort of something we all know, and mm-hmm. people would know it if more people were open to learning more about daytime for sure. Yeah. Um, now, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to say directly to the days of our lives as the world turns and or One Life to Live fans who may be listening? Well, for the few of you that still exist, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah, I just so much. So thank you so much for I would say for all of the love, for all of the support, for all of the uh, endurance when it comes to uh, being there day, week, month, year after year, right? You know, and because without, without viewers, there would be no show, right? There would be no show, there'd be nothing. Without the viewers, there would be nothing in reality. And um, so I'm very appreciative. Well, we are so appreciative that you gave us all your time today and shared all your memories. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again or and or seeing you back on daytime. And please send our love to Terry. I will. Thank well, you thanks. guys so much. This has been really fun. I hope it was fun for you. Of course it was. It was. And it was great to see you. Thanks, okay. Austin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Austin Peck for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.